to Bali Riz for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Erin Fraser. And I'm Matt Bowes. In this episode, we're joined by our good friend and math enthusiast, math wizard, math person, what could it be? Amanda Mullins to celebrate Pi Day and belated International Women's Day and Women's History Month outside of Canada. Lots of things <laughs> coinciding on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, with two films about mothers, daughters, and math. First up, Swara Baskar plays a struggling single mother who joins her teenage daughter's math class in an effort to encourage her to improve her grades in Ashwini Ayurtawari's 2015 debut, Nil Bhati Sanata. Then, Vidya Balan plays headstrong genius mathematician Shakuntala Devi, who has difficulty balancing her career with her role as a mother in Anu Menon's uh, 2020 biopic. Shakuntala Devi. Yeah, you, you messed up my line. No, it's good. Uh, <laughs> I made it better. Okay. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. It is Pi Day. The day that we're releasing this is Pi Day. We're not recording on Pi Day, but I think Pi Day is an exciting day. Pretend it's Pi Day. (laughs) So since it's Pi Day, what kind of pie are you going to have? Good question. Cherry. Uh, Yeah. Happily eat a cherry pie. Yeah, I have... Good idea. I have... Um, the pie dough and the cherries in the freezer, so that's probably you what I'm going to make. You got the good Duchess stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I like. I, I don't really like to bake, so I'm probably not going to have pie. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> okay. do some like, I don't know, <laughs> calculations or something with pie in them and have done. You <laughs> could eat a wheel of cheese or part of it. That's like a pie. I mean, I don't like cheese though. Oh, okay. Can I get like a wheel of tofu? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Do they come in circles? <laughs> Possibly. You can you can get tofu and you can cut tofu into uh, any just, shape you want. Yeah, make, just make get a, a biscuit cutter. Just straight tofu. Yeah. Good. I don't actually bake either. Cherry pie is one of the only things I bake. So Amanda, welcome so much. I'm so thrilled to to have you on the show finally. Um, and I I ever since I saw that there was a movie coming out about a female math genius, I knew I wanted to have you on to talk about it. Uh, but before we get to all things math and the films that we are going to be discussing, uh, can you tell us a bit about your experience with Bollywood? Because I know you have experience with Bollywood, and I know you like Bollywood. <laughs> um, most of my Bollywood experience has been uh, going over to your place and watching Bollywood movies with you. <laughs> Um, but I have seen, outside of the movies we've watched together, I have seen one of the Doom movies, mm-hmm. um, whatever the funny one is, unless they're all funny, in which case I don't know which one it was. They are all funny. I'm assuming oh, it's probably, is it the one with Rithik Roshan where he plays Mr. X, the, um... Yeah. trotting Diamond Thief? Yeah. Who's yeah, yeah, also yeah. Master of Disguise. In the beginning, he's disguised as the Queen of England. Yeah. Yes, that was so good. Yes, that's the one. So I did watch that one. I I don't remember if I watched that by myself or if I watched it with my friends Leyland Nero. Nero is from Chennai, um, so they have a lot of uh, good recommendations for for movies. Um, and I did see Singham mm-hmm. with Devin R. Bruce, uh, who is a friend of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Very and, good friend uh, of the podcast. Yeah, I'm a, a big fan of Singham. That was that was a great movie. I love Race. Race. Oh yeah, just... so good. One and two. Give me another twist. Give me another twist. Have you watched both of the good ones? Yes, we watched the first two. Good. I know that there's a third one, and you said don't watch it. No, it's bad. Never watched the, the third. The worst race. twist of all was that they screwed up the third movie, and it's not even a race movie anymore. I don't even think there's um, a race. 
I, I, I cannot think I, of a race. I struggle to think what the race was. In yeah, race. I remember <laughs> thinking at the time they should have called this movie Gun and not Race. It's it's bad. The first two race movies are just like they're absolute they're perfection, sublime. and the third one is so bad. I think my other really big experience with Bollywood movies might actually get me kicked off of this podcast. Uh, I went to see oh, no. at the Princess Theater um bride and prejudice oh. and i just had the best time with that movie we're actually talking <laughs> about silly. that right away on an episode coming up yeah we're actually recording an episode coming up soon this is a bit of a spoiler on bride and prejudice so and yeah, yeah it's it's and we're not going to kick you off for that it's it's more bollywood adjacent but i think it is yeah one of the films that people, if they don't have a lot of experience with Bollywood, it's kind of one of the ones they might know like about. Gateway, possibly. Yeah, it's totally I a gateway. I agree with that. When I went to see it, I went with a group of friends, uh, none of whom had ever seen a Bollywood movie. Um, and I'm pretty sure everybody watches Bollywood movies now, so I think that is absolutely an accurate statement for Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, so we, we're actually going to be yeah, we just watched discussing, it. yeah, we rewatched it recently just so we could discuss it, and we have an exciting guest for that episode as well. Oh, um, exciting. Yeah, I think I think that should be a good one. Um, and you love Singham so much that, didn't you watch it like twice in a row? <laughs> like you yes, demanded I that more friends with, watch uh, it? Uh, I watched it first with, with Devin um, at his place uh, before we lived together. And then I went home and made my roommate watch it. <laughs> I that 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 is something that I have done many times. So, Amanda, you you got a degree in math. Can you tell us about that? What what encouraged you to pursue a degree in mathematics of all things? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, when I was um, doing my first degree, um, I I got a I have a biology degree, um, but during the getting of that degree, a bunch of stuff happened, my place burned down, there was just, I was really sick, and anyway, I ended up getting kicked out of school. So then I had to try and find a way to finish this degree um, while trying to survive and pay rent and all that other stuff. Um, So I did end up doing that through a uh, correspondence university, uh, Athabasca University, which I'm sure that both of you know about, Mm -hmm. um, which is intended for people who are working most of the time. Uh, so I managed to finish my, my biology degree through there, but it took forever. And at the point that I had finished it, I was working at um, a university uh, here, and I was working in uh, medical research. Um, I had started off a few years before that I finished my degree um, as a data entry person because they had benefits and paid more than I'd made before. And every now and then, I could take a course at the university for free mm-hmm. and have it transferred to my degree, which was dope. Um, so that's, that's what I ended up doing. But while I was working and I was doing the data entry, I only stayed on data entry for maybe a couple of weeks before they were like, oh, well, this person clearly can manage data. Let's give them more responsibilities. Uh, so eventually I, I moved my way up, I suppose, into um, data management, data quality assurance, creating surveys that um, you know doctors were sending out for whatever their research studies would be. Um, at one point I was running the statistics on 
um, a study, even though I only had a few classes of statistics under my belt, but I, I realized I had a, a bit of an affinity for mm -hmm. data and statistics um, and, and understanding how they all work. Um, and I liked my job, but I did work with a statistician and I wanted his job. Mm. <laughs> so then a um, bunch of stuff happened. I decided to quit my job and go back to school. So I started my math degree at age 30. I had never taken calculus. The only math course I had taken since high school was linear algebra, and I took that when I was 17. So I was walking in pretty blind. Um, the school that I applied at, um, because all the other applications were closed, um, was a smaller university here in town, and they did not have a stats major. They only had either a math major or a combined math stats. So I thought, okay, well, I got to take all these math courses anyway. I might as well just combine them because um, it's not really going to make a big difference. And at that school, I had so many wonderful instructors. Most of them were women, actually, um, that just, it really clicked. You know, a lot of the math that I was taught and a lot of the statistics, it just, it made sense. Mm -hmm. And because it was a smaller school, I had lots of opportunities to, you know, get my hands dirty on different types of projects and things like that. They let me be president of the math club for some reason, which was hilarious. Hold on one second. Um, How dirty do your hands get doing math? You the, the don't lead. know. Just imagine all the pencil shavings, right? Okay. And like the lead. And it's all just right. all down your hand. If you're using a pen, it's all down your hand. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, pretty dirty. I, I, I guess I hadn't thought of that. Oh, <laughs> the chalk if you're at the board? Yeah, there, there's some dirty things that can happen while doing math, I suppose. <laughs> Go on. I think like every, everybody listening to this is going to be like, wow, you weird white collar person. I have worked in like oil rigs, if that helps. I'm not very good at that work, which is why I do the work I do now. But yeah, I had such a great time in my in my math um, degree that I ended up sticking with a lot of those math courses. Um, I am actually not very good at math. I'm hilariously bad at math. Um, what? A lot of the harder classes Wait, I hold on. by the skin of my teeth. You're not good at math? I thought I was going to ask you so many math questions over the course of this episode. Matt, rest I mean, you assured, can ask me them. I'll just Google them. Rest assured, she's better at math than you are. Okay, good. <laughs> Hopefully. In fact, I'm pretty sure both of us are better at math than you are. Probably. <laughs> I, hate, I hate doing math, so, you know. It, it is I, uh, not elegant and beautiful be... for me. <laughs> I was really a lot better at um, abstract math. Mm. The um, thing so that things like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's where I checked out. <laughs> I'm terrible at calculus. I still mm. don't know my trigonometric identities. I will never know those. Ah, and... yeah, those things. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Actually, they are mentioned in one of the movies, so that's pretty fun. And is, I was that like, like, oh, no. is that like conics? Conics? Um, it, it's different identities that you kind of have to memorize in order to quickly do calculus. Wavelengths and circles and things like that sort yeah. of fit together and how you can use different forms of equations to create other equations. Um, like the quadratic no, equation. That's like about as far equals. as I got was the quadratic equation. I remember oh, that the quadratic one. quadratic equation's good. But as soon as they invented like imaginary numbers, I was like, well, f this. Like if you can't even give me a real number to multiply times something, like 
I'm not doing your math if you can't even give me a real number. They didn't really invent the imaginary numbers. They were kind of always there. They're imaginary, though. They're not there. (laughs) (laughs) So I... I have to say, I'm actually really, I, I will always be really proud of this. Uh, I really, I really like math. I didn't pursue it, but I did really well in math in high school. And I, I do sometimes feel like I could have. Um, I just, I really like math because it's a world where once you understand the rules, like everything makes so much more sense uh, than like the real world (laughs) like it's just like there are there are rules and parameters and equations and and it just everything is nice and orderly I feel like I feel like I really respond to that like once you understand the language of math and I despite the fact that I got a film studies degree (laughs) took calculus in university (laughs) and to this day I am very proud of my b plus in calculus and I was fantastic yeah I, I was in class like that was one of my only classes that was great on a bell curve and I was in a class with a lot of people who had more experience with calculus than I did because I took the class where you weren't supposed to have any experience with calculus, but a lot of people who did still took that class because, you know, it was perceived as being easier, I think. Uh, and I, I, to this day, I'm very proud of that. Even though I have an arts degree, I got a B plus in university level calculus. I think that's awesome. I and finished grade 12 math and never looked back. <laughs> That's also fair, too. But having an understanding of, like, different types of math is really useful because it does help you sort of conceptualize different things um, that may come up in the world, in your life. If I, I think I find, because um, I, I sew. Mm-hmm. And when I'm sewing, I, I mean, I hate pattern making and pattern drafting. I hate it. The only thing I like about sewing is the sewing part. Everything else I hate. Um, but I use a lot of trigonometry. Mm-hmm. when I'm sewing, just so I know things will fit together the way I want it to. Um, so it is kind of amazing the different ways that um, you can use math in real life. I mean, I'm a data analyst now, so I use math a lot, but that's a little different. <laughs> well, so I make cocktails, yeah. and I use I have to use math whenever I'm making cocktails, whether I'm like adjusting the ratios or batching something up or down. And the easiest way for me to wrap my head around, like, and I I guess it's the same with cooking, the easiest way for me to wrap my head around sometimes with adjusting a recipe is to kind of turn it into algebra. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Because I loved algebra. Because algebra made so much sense. Okay, so you two geniuses, when you see a number, does it, like, float up in the air and fly around and then you could solve it hilariously? And, like, there's a visual aid so you can see how math works. Is that what it's like to be a genius? Well, yeah. Please tell me. Yeah, because so there's, there's all these stereotypes that we see in movies of how, like, people do math. Like, people good at math. And I'm not trying to say that I'm one of those geniuses, but just I do like There's math. that gif online of a woman, like, thinking and then there's a bunch of equations flying by. <laughs> or in uh, The Hangover, they do that with Zach Alphanakis, too. Yeah, and I think it all goes back to a beautiful mind. So I think there are, like, these stereotypes of, like, how math is presented in pop culture. And I'm interested in what you think of that, Amanda, especially in terms of the kind of gender stereotypes around math. Mm-hmm. I find there's uh, math is generally only really portrayed in two ways. Either it is extremely difficult and everyone struggles with it, or it is, you know, I guess it depends on the character because you have the genius character and then you have the regular people who are all bad at math. And I don't think that's necessarily true. There's so many different kinds of math. 
in um, so many different ways to do it that you could be like me and be very good at abstract algebra mm -hmm. and just be terrible at calculus. And I mean, that's not to say I don't understand what's happening in calculus. I'm just bad at it. Mm -hmm. What if you're bad at both, though? <laughs> I mean, and that's fine. I mean, is it? I find a lot of it is ha having a number sense, which I didn't have when I was in high school. I got good marks in math, but I didn't have a number sense. I didn't really have an understanding of why math works the way it does. And I didn't get that until I started university level courses where I was taking proofs mm -hmm. when I started doing math proofs. And that's when things really began to click because I didn't, I've never really memorized my times tables. Mm -hmm. I still don't know them. Did you not have um, to do the mad minute? I, I lived in fear of the mad minute. Do you remember that? I probably I did. Maybe I blocked it. Yeah. It was a horrible idea. Mental math was never my strong point either. Like I can do it, but like I do, I do love a calculator. <laughs> I, th I think I remember all the way up to like nine times nine or whatever. I guess all, all the way up to 10 times 10. I remember them, but like it was just beaten into me via rote, uh, um, manipulation and recitation and memorization. Mm -hmm. I never understood yeah. why anything happened. It's just like, yep, in we, input sequence, that's the one. Which is why they're trying to change how they teach math now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> trying to get it, the num what is called number sense, an idea of why. Why, when you multiply nine times nine, does it become 81? Why does that work? Mm -hmm. Okay, just um, so and I think we'll we're going to skip ahead a bit, but like, does Shakatella Davy? Is she actually good at math or is her brain literally a computer that just does that? Like I could never actually tell if she was like experiencing the math and like reasoning through it or her brain just could figure it out in like two seconds. And like, was she actually good at math or was she just a computer person? I would say she has to be good at math because she was doing things like cube roots. Yeah. And just the fact understanding what that means from a number level mm -hmm. that is she understands math. She speaks that language. Um, and clearly in a way that none of us speak because holy <laughs> moly. But the way I think, and we'll get to this, but I think the way that she shows breaking down the numbers at yeah. times, or the way that the film shows her yeah, breaking down the numbers and, at times, yeah. but not just that, but just kind of the way she explains it. I thought like, Oh, this is to me, this is what I think. Cause and I, people outside of Alberta might not know about this, but they are, they've changed the math curriculum in Alberta um, to to rely less on memorization and more on trying to help children understand how the numbers can be broken down that and, and good. what they mean. I would have probably yeah, liked that. Parents parents have resisted it because they don't understand it because that's not how they were taught math. Yeah. But when I when I was watching Shakuntala Devi, the way that she would break down the numbers, I thought like, ah, see, like to me. She, and I mean, like, a lot of the movie we're supposed to marvel at her genius, but at the times when the film attempts to try and show us how she thinks, she's breaking down the numbers into smaller parts that then she combines. And I, I, I don't have, I think people know this, we don't have children, Matt and I. We have a lot of nieces and nephews, um, but so I don't... I don't have a lot of experience with the current math curriculum, but that's what I understand is that they're trying to do because it, mm -hmm. it teaches more lifelong skills as opposed to you having like you having to memorize all your time tables, Matt. I did like how she picked the house that she wanted to buy because the house number was one times two times three times four times five times six. Mm -hmm. And it was also 
eight times nine times ten, I think. Yeah. And seven was left out. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. But going back to the way that math is portrayed in popular culture, so we often What's the have, best math movie? I have an answer. We often have these... What is it? Okay, fine, Matt. What's the best math movie? It's pie. Okay. Because, it is pie. Because math is a horrifying, like, <laughs> netherworld that will eat you alive, and you'll eventually just drill through your brain with a uh, mechanical drill. That's math. I actually won't argue with that. There's a lot of times when I was doing my math degree that I felt the same way, so... <laughs> Uh, that's ah. a Darren Aronofsky film. It's his first one, I think. Yeah, right? it's his yeah. first film. Great movie. Uh, Primer. Really upright. Oh, Primer, yeah. Primer is also very good because uh, that's a time travel film where all the math, like they actually, instead of just putting up a bunch of gobbledygook on the screen, uh, they actually thought through. <laughs> it's basically oh, real, cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually like, it's a, the equations are real <laughs> as opposed to and just that's a, made up Going back to the... Stuff portrayal of math on screens that's a really interesting way to do it because a lot of the time it is gobbledygook mm -hmm. or if you take movies like goodwill hunting i believe the equation that he magically solves at the beginning of the movie is not i i mean i just read this somewhere i haven't seen that movie in probably since it came out um but it, apparently it's not like that the most difficult ever it's, it's a pretty easy problem to solve mm. um so it's not for but if you theorem don't want to have anything too overwhelming when you're trying to show math on screen, you because you want it to look realistic, mm -hmm. but also so difficult that only a genius could solve it. And I think that was one really interesting way that in these movies, it kind of countered that in a lot of ways. Do you know what was good um, for math? Futurama. Because they invented like a theorem that's still used, right? Yeah, Futurama did a similar thing uh, in one of their time travel episodes where... With the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, the Harlem Globetrotters um, were all math geniuses. Yeah, and, and again, the math that they actually showed on screen was accurate. And, you know, like, as a casual viewer... You could pause it and, like, you could figure, like, oh, yeah, yeah. it all checks out. You're maybe not... I mean, if you're not me. <laughs> you're maybe not going to notice that, and you might not necessarily care, but I think it's kind of an important... I don't know. It's it's a it's a commitment that well, I, I appreciate. Their audience mm -hmm. will like that. Yeah. People oh, yeah. who like Futurama are kind of... <laughs> A lot of them are into math. Futurama science people, okay, you know? yeah. Um, so what about the kind of the gender stereotypes surrounding math? Because I do, you know, I I I feel like that this idea that you know, and and this ex exists across I think STEM, um, but that women are not as you know they don't have the aptitude for things like math mm -hmm. and science and whatnot when it's incredibly bogus um but i feel like a lot of the films that i can think of um that cover math still it's a lot of male geniuses like we don't see a lot of math i think i think gwyneth paltrow i think she did what was it prime or something i think she's in one that i haven't seen but other than that most of like the the kind of math geniuses i can think of are you know like a beautiful mind or benedict Fine. cumberbatch in sherlock and the way he goes to like his mind palace you and know, the imitation game too yeah yeah we yep. don't we don't see we don't see women <laughs> no and i find sometimes when we do see women they're portrayed as like super kooky and mm. really you know different from other girls whatever that means um like in one of those murder tv shows where the oh, i think it's ncis yeah she's like a goth goth yeah she's like a goth type. girl yeah yeah and i think 
there's a really, um, like, especially in media, there's, there's sort of like an othering of mm. women who are good at math that doesn't happen to men. Um, but I think that also reflects real life. Mm. Um, not necessarily because women that do math are so rare, or so different from men, because that's decidedly not true. But the stereotypes maintain, you know, they're still out there, they still exist. And if you look at, you know, women who are getting into the big schools like Harvard or whatever, there's not as many of them, but there are more women graduating with degrees, you know, bachelor's degrees. Um, so kind of, that is an ongoing thing in STEM mm -hmm. that I don't really have a great solution for, but it really makes me mad <laughs> because then we don't see in real life, you know, these, these mathematic professionals uh, that are women, unless you're, you know, in those fields. Like I said, when I did my math degree, all, most of my instructors were women. The dean was a woman. Um, so that was not something I really experienced. I would say, I mean, I was math grandma. I was by far the oldest person in the program. Everyone else was like a little baby. Um, but there were quite a few, I would say, it was, I don't know if it was, you know, equal, equally gendered or anything in my program, but there was a lot of women mm -hmm. in the program, which was cool. Mm -hmm. And now I'm working, you know, I'm a data analyst and I work on a team of data analysts. And again, it's mostly women. However, I work on a team of data analysts in so social statistics. I'm a public servant. If you were to look at a team of data analysts in, let's say, some type of like actuarial thing mm -hmm. or insurance, it's going to look a lot different. Mm -hmm. And that is because the hiring practices are going to be different. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at even in the private sector, it's very different what, um, who is getting the jobs uh, and who isn't. And that is an ongoing problem with STEM. It's not just, not just math or statistics or data. <laughs> it's kind of all STEM, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, don't have any happy stories there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, at the very least, it's exciting that we were able to find two films uh, for <laughs> this episode that, you know, discuss women in math, and I think do so from a different perspective than we're used to seeing in in popular culture. Or I mean, at least very specifically, mother-daughter relationships complicated by math. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. It's yes. a really narrow genre. There's a very specific theme across these two films. Yes. Um, and I do have to preface, I, I also do not have children, um, but I also come from a very large family, so I have, you know... Uh, nephews. Uh, I have a niece now. She was born on Valentine's Day, oh, so that's exciting. Um, I have lots of little cousins. You know, I grew up around lots of little kids, so yeah. You know, there's that aspect. Uh, but I don't know what it's like to be a mother or a parent with my life being complicated by math as it usually is. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that that aspect we can't speak to the realism in these films, but uh, but hopefully you can speak to the realism of some of the math. Uh, and before we get to that, should we break here? So for our interval today, we are listening to Pas Nahi Tofail Nahi from Shock and Talladega. Do murgi teri, do murgi meri, char tere mame ki Saat sur me jo, teen taal mele, dhun bane gaane ki Dunia hai sari, 
खबरों से बनी बक्से से बाहर निहार हम नजरा भी कीड़े किताबी टेंशन मत ले With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to What's the Cheese Miss? What's the Cheese Miss, a new podcast with an inside look at Filipinx identity in the diaspora. Cheese Miss is the Tagalog word for gossip. Subscribe to hear weekly episodes about disappointing your parents, breaking it to your friends that you're not Italian, trying to figure out why you punched a car, and much, much more. What's the Cheese Miss is produced by CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Download it wherever you find your podcasts and on whatsthecheesemiss.transitor.fm. That's T-S-I-S-M-I-S for Cheese Miss. Today I want to tell you about ATB's new podcast, The Future Of. Join Todd Hirsch, ATB's Vice President and Chief Economist, as he connects with special guests who offer unique and useful perspectives about the future. Explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. From the future of women in business to the changing nature of work itself, the future of helps us understand what's coming and what we need to do today to get the tomorrow we want. Featuring two episodes each month, plus bonus episodes, The Future Of includes interviews with top community and business leaders from Alberta and around the world. Subscribe to The Future Of in the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found. And connect to ask your questions about the future by emailing thefutureof at atb.com. And that was Pass Nahi to Fail Nahi from Shakuntala Devi. Uh, but before we get to Shakuntala Devi, we're going to talk about Nil Bati Sanata, uh, which is literally translated as zero divided by zero equals nothing, which is kind of slang for good for nothing, which makes sense. And in English was called the new classmate, apparently. Yeah, and it's kind of uh, international releases. That's what it was called. Look who's coming to school. It's an adult. <laughs> Uh, so this came out in 2015 in festivals, presumably where it was called The New Classmate, but it had a wider release in India in 2016. This was Ashwini Ayatawari's directorial debut. It has a really good cast. I don't know about the little girl, but everyone else was really good. Uh, Swara Baskar. Well, I mean, she was a good actress. We just, we have never seen her in anything else. And also the character was just a monster. Uh, Swara Baskar, Rhea Shukla as the kid, uh, Ratnapathic Shah as my favorite and uh, Pankaj Tripathi. Yeah, you might not know this, Amanda, but um, the uh, the older woman, the boss of Swar of Swar Baskar, the single mom, the rich lady. Um, Matt has a huge crush on her. Yeah, she's great. Always <laughs> happy to see her. In she's great, so I understand that. Yeah, yeah she is great. She's uh, great in everything. Yeah. So this was a commercial Listeners success. Listeners notice that Matt has a big crush on yeah. Anna Pathakshaw. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the light motifs of the podcast. Um, so. <laughs> This was a commercial success, apparently, interestingly enough, because of strong word of mouth. Yeah, so it did open on, like, less than 300 screens in India. So Which it was, is, there's, not, there's like, 3,000 screens, yeah. so that's not a lot. So it was a much smaller release, but for a release of its size, it did very well. Yeah, because this is um, much more of an indie movie feel yes. than uh, Shakatel Davy for sure, but, like, but a lot of uh, Bollywood movies, this is closer to parallel cinema. Style. Yeah, it's it's approaching that kind of Mindy space, which like is Rudali, possibly. Uh, 
I think Rudali is a bit more still parallel cinema. This is, again, kind of more in that, that Mindy space yeah. of kind of um, the the crossing of the, the rise of the middle cinema, not yeah. quite parallel, not quite kind of the mainstream Hindi, but that Mindy space that sometimes we talk about. So Tawari actually goes on to remake this movie in Tamil. Mm-hmm. And did she do Malayalam too, or someone else did? No, it's also been remade in Malayalam. It was someone else, but... Um, this Ashwini, is actually kind of backwards though, because usually the Hindi movie is a remake of like a South Indian movie, but this time they took it the other way around. Yeah, which yeah, is interesting. yeah. We've seen that with like Gajani and with um, Arjun Reddy, which became Kabir Singh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this kind of went the other way with uh, Ashwini Ayer making it in Hindi first and then making it in Tamil, like a reverse um, Mani Ratnam. And Ashwini Ayer has gone on to make Barley Key Barfi, one of my favorite romantic comedies yeah, of a, all time. Love that movie. Uh, and uh, recently, Panga, uh, which is a you know, regrettable lead actress that we won't get into, but is a wonderful uh, sports movie about um, a woman trying to balance a sports career and her family. Yeah, it's kind of like this, but with sports, actually, with the uh, comedy. Uh, and uh, Tori won Best Debut Director at the Filmfare Awards for Nilbati Sanata, which it's good. I, I I mean, I think... And she would go on to win Best Director for Bertley Kibarfi, her yeah. next film in Hindi. I think there's definitely a directorial style there right at the beginning. There's a lot of yeah. handheld cameras and pretty, I hesitate to say obvious, but like artful use of color timing. Mm. The two halves of the movie, the first part's a lot warmer and the second part gets very, like, blue and cold as the characters in the movie are set against each other and everyone's depressed. So mm-hmm. it's, she's doing a lot more visually than one would expect maybe from a uh, debut director. Well, she has, um, she has a commercial background. Mm. She's, she worked in advertising before. So the synopsis of the movie, uh, Swar Basker and Rhea Shukla, Swar Basker is a woman who, who seems to have a huge amount of time. I don't know how she does it because uh, I'll get into it in a second. But her daughter is supposedly smart. They keep saying that she's really smart and that, like, she just can't focus or something. But I don't think she's smart at all. I think she's kind of bullshitting everybody. Uh, but her daughter is in grade 10 and is not doing particularly well at school. She'd rather hang out with the cool kids at the back of the class then like apply herself and especially math math she's terrible at mm-hmm. and so Basker wants the best for her daughter and is looking to get uh, some tutoring done so the tutor says and it's important to point out that she she is a maid she is low income she is struggling and when you say she has a lot of time in the day that's because we see her going to multiple jobs yeah and just working her ass off i don't know how she does it but uh, she works for ratna Pathak. Uh, as her maid and Rana Pathak says okay you know I really like you as a maid you're a good friend to me I can help you pay for your daughter's school uh, just make sure she gets above 50% in math and we could uh, Basker goes to talk to a um, a tutor which we know all about because of the movie Super 30 was about like kind of mm-hmm. competing math tutors so another math movie uh, but like that's a it's a really huge industry there in India um, math tutors and the math tutor says, yeah, if she can get over 50, I'll help her uh, go forward and get into uh, a good school. And he also says that kids with a 75 or average over get a discount because that bumps up his numbers and makes him look good. Mm-hmm. Which is 
Yeah, a little, little sleazy. So, uh, yeah, in order to get her daughter to apply herself better in math, uh, Ratna Pathak gets Swara Basker into the school. The principal of the school and also the math teacher is played by Pankaj Tripathi, yeah. one of our favorite guys. You know, anytime he shows up, I'm happy. And he at first is like, I can't have an adult in this school. This is crazy. This is not a school for adults. This is a school for children. But Ratna Pathak kind of smooths it over. So Swarbaskar starts going to school with her daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't say that they're related because that would just be too embarrassing. Um, but uh, Swara is also like learning math herself and actually kind of has an aptitude for it, maybe more than her daughter does. And her daughter is purely runs on spite and just wants to <laughs> get good at math so her mom will leave her alone. And yeah, that comes to a head and uh, there's you know, kind of a reckoning between the mother and the daughter, and I don't want to ruin what happens, but it's a really interesting movie, and I don't know if I've ever seen a mother-daughter story done this way. They're so antagonistic towards each other. Mm -hmm. They do love each other, but really, there should be someone else who lives with them, or, like, they should have a bigger house or something, because they're going crazy. They're tearing pieces off each other all the time. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I, I liked about this film, and I'm, I'm curious to get your, how you felt this was done, Amanda, was that it it's not about geniuses. It's about regular people learning how to do math. And I think, I think that's one of the film's biggest strengths is that it, it really shows you that it just, it takes, it takes time to, to learn how to do this. It's, it's a skill and it's, it's kind of a language that you have to learn, but it is possible. And I think, you know, I don't want to say kind of what's revealed at the end, but I love that trajectory of, you know, just kind of like, it doesn't matter your background, but this is, you know, if you apply yourself, it is possible to learn. I realize I'm kind of like the daughter because she, um, like she's you also a, run on spite. Well, yes, actually I do. Really does. Yeah. In many ways, but uh, she says that math doesn't come easy to her, and therefore she hates it because she has to work at it. Mm. Whereas when I was in high school, like, a, a bunch of subjects came easily to me, and I had to work my ass off in math, and I still only got, like, mediocre grades at that. So it was a huge pain in the ass, and I hated it because it just seemed worse than every other subject, which I could just do in my sleep. And the moral is, you know, hard work sucks, and I hate doing it. <laughs> okay, Amanda, how, what did you think of this? I, I did really like the um, that, that this was not a family of geniuses trying to do genius things. Mm -hmm. It was two people, for various reasons, uh, struggling to, to learn a thing they find difficult, that they don't really understand, um, and doing it really separately. I thought that was really yeah. interesting because if you watch through the movie, they have similar techniques on how to remember things. But that spite thing <laughs> keeps them from, you know, studying together or whatever. Um, I liked the aspect of them relying on classmates to help study and to influence um, other classmates into studying and things like that because I think that is something that's really missing from a lot of math education. Um, when I was doing my math degree, we basically took over the math department meeting room. Uh, and at any point during the day, you could walk into that meeting room in the math department that would normally be for the instructors to do their meetings at, and there'd be five or six students at least in there figuring out problems, 
talking to other people about, oh, yeah, I've got to this point in this proof, but I'm a little stuck here, you know, can we work through this together and things like that and learning together, um, teaching each other, because that is one of the big ways that people learn about stuff. Um, and I think that that was sort of touched upon in this movie, but not uh, between the family members, which was interesting. Well, they both glom onto the one guy in class who's good at math and then get yeah. him to do their homework, basically. Well, no, because I think what's really good about that kid is he's not, he understands it and he, he likes math. And so he has the aptitude for it. But again, he's not portrayed as some sort of like... He's not a super little, nerd or something. Yeah, a yeah. super nerd or a little genius. Uh, he is, and he is willing to help them and he is willing to kind of talk through it and explain like things that work for him to figure out how to do this and like give them tools and tricks and things. And I also really like that you see, you know, that he's also not from a privileged background, that he really is just working hard. Yeah. I liked that, you know, not to get like spoilery or anything, but the mother and the daughter are not, they're not competing to see who's going to get 100. No. They just want to get that 50. That's what they're aiming for. Yeah. Get, D and spells degree, as I said. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I had uh, my very last math class in my degree, I got a D in it. Um, but it was the last one I needed, and I wasn't about to repeat it because it was, it was it's called real analysis. And it was the worst thing I've ever done. I literally was very sick during the final exam because of how stressed out by this exam I was. Um, so I can understand, you know, the stress of math exams and things like that. Um, and the type of pressure that must be on these, these children, mm-hmm. um, especially in Indian culture, that has this huge pressure uh, mm-hmm. on math grades and, like you said, with the, the math tutors. Um, so it's it was really nice to see people just trying to get by to learn enough so that they can understand and move on to the next thing, which probably involves learning more math. Mm-hmm. But I think one character said, like, you can have a calculator in the real world. Like, you can look this up. This is, like, to exercise your brain to show that you're able to understand it and you can un- you've can you taught yourself how to learn, which mm-hmm. is applicable to other things. You might not necessarily know how to do this equation five years from now, but you would know how to look it up and figure out how to do it, which, yeah. I mean, that I think that's a lesson that they should actually teach in class more often okay. is that, like, you know, you're not going to have to do a quadratic equation every day. I was joking with Aaron when I was going to ask, like, so what do you do? You walk into work every day and they give you an equation and then when you're done, you go home? Like, is that how it works? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But, but like, yeah, obviously it's not that. But, like, you might have something come up in your day and you can look it up like, oh, yeah, I remember how I did that. Let me just check, you know, check on Google. Okay, yeah, that's how you do that equation and I'll do it this way. Mm -hmm. The fact that you understand how it works, that's that's what you're being taught. And also you're being taught how to learn. I do that all the time. Just today, I had to run a bunch of Monte Carlo simulations, and I was like, I don't remember how to do that. I don't remember what that is. So I Google it, and I'm like, okay, I can do this now. Is um, that the way that the guy broke Monte Carlo? By, you know, just the the man who broke Monte Carlo. It's the famous story of the guy who beat the casinos and basically robbed them using math. Is that why it's called I mean, that? that? 
might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is called Monte Carlo simulations because of casinos, but I don't think it's he I don't think he did it. The idea of Monte Carlo simulations is that it's just a simulation. Let's say you're rolling a dice and you roll mm-hmm. it like a hundred times to see what it rolls up on. And let's say the average of the dice roll is four. And then let's say you wanted to start putting bets on it. Mm-hmm. And you bet, okay, I'm gonna bet five dollars for every time it rolls above four and I'll lose $3 for every time it doesn't. And the idea is if you did that thousands upon thousands of times, how much money would you have at the end? Mm-hmm. I didn't remember sort of this. The, yeah. the basic idea of, of Monte Carlo simulations, um, but they're used for, I was using them for um, theorizing caseloads. Oh. <laughs> so, so not playing craps at work. You were no, oh. sadly doing something much more depressing. <laughs> You did just remind yeah. me, though, that in my daily life, one of the places where I use math the most is D&D. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you should see me at D&D. I play because I play D&D and Pathfinder and I I, I love tabletop games. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mental math is garbage. I am so bad. I get my numbers, my rules wrong all the time. That's why I like to run games and not like play them as much. No, I like to play games, but I'm better at running games. <laughs> See, I could do the mental, like, I could do the small beer math. Yeah, that's the funny thing, is, yeah, when we play, I, I, the mental math is not the easiest thing for me. Because, Matt, it's because maybe you have that rote memorization. Yeah, Yeah, and it it just kicked the idea of enjoying math out of my brain. (laughs) All I know is how to add certain numbers together and multiply, and that's it. Most of the time during my math exams, if I were to get something wrong, like, to get the answer wrong at the end of it, it is because... I did addition wrong, like basic addition. But you get points um, luckily, for like showing your work though. Like the answer is not Yeah, they don't care about the, the answer. Yeah. They yeah. care about like, at least where I went to school, the answer is not the important part. I mean, you still, you'll get, you're not going to get 100% if you don't get the answer. Yeah. Um, but the most important part is the sequence of events that gets you to that answer. What were you thinking? What was your thought process uh, to get there? And that's and That's kind of what I was really interested in in this movie too was how these two characters were developing their thought processes um, and the little mnemonics that they were memorizing uh, that, because we were talking about that during the, the uh, intermission there, um, the little mnemonics there, or, or maybe at the beginning of the show, I don't remember now. Um, and I, because I don't know the language, I mean, the translation into English doesn't make any sense, no. but I had closed my eyes to listen to it, to sort of listen to the the cadence of it. Um, and it was just a really, really cool way to learn stuff like that. Um, and it was very nice. Like at one point, one of the, one of the people in the class that was studying um, gets called upon to answer a question and they, and they answer, they're like, okay, hold on. Let me think about this little thing I thought of. And they're kind of, and we had seen the answer to the thing earlier. It's also the, um, it's one of the trig identities. It's like the one I know, Pythagorean trig identity. So it's sine squared theta plus co squared theta equals one. Um, and so it's just a circle thing. Anyway, of course. Yeah, I knew that too. <laughs> it's, yeah, but uh, it was just, yeah, a really, because everyone thinks through math differently. Hmm, exactly. Did you think Podcast Tripathy was a good math teacher? <laughs> Because he, he's very much a teacher that you would see in Hindi movies because he's he's kind of mean to some of the students. Like, he's he's chosen the one guy, the the boy. Like, he's basically said, yeah, this guy, he's not going anywhere. He sucks. He's 
he's never going to be good at math. And he's not encouraging him because he doesn't need to. It doesn't, like, this kid's, who cares about this kid? Well, I think the environment of the, kind of, the way that he will publicly shame some of his students is really, like, jarring for us. Because mm-hmm. yes. that is not something that would be acceptable here. And I, I, I don't think it should be acceptable anywhere. It happened to once in high school. One of my um, co-students, I guess, had done very poorly on a chemistry exam. The chemistry teacher uh, read out her mark, like, out to the class. Uh, So after that class, I went straight to the principal's office. Because I was like, that's not acceptable. You cannot humiliate a student in front of the other students. That's... So, yeah, watching this movie, he was doing it constantly. And he is the principal. Yeah, he's also the principal. (laughs) Right. It just, oh, it was hard for me to watch that. Yeah. But cultural difference, right? And, exactly. You know, like but does... I think that if, if he was a teacher, let's say here in Canada, the way that he interacts with the students, you know, he was jumping around and kind of goofing off a little bit. I think if you take away all of that student humiliation mm-hmm. aspect, I think he does want his students to succeed. Yeah. And he does want to be a good teacher. So I think as far as teachers go, I mean, that's not the worst. He's just an inherently likable person, Pankaj Tripathi. He really is. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pankaj Tripathi is just like, when he was first introduced uh, on like the first day of school, as the kids are like, they're all lined up, like reciting something yeah. patriotic. Um and he's like mimicking the kids in the crowd doing bad he's things like, Don't and pick like your nose, telling no. them to go. Yeah. Like that yeah. that just in a nutshell is just like it's just like a perfect encapsulation of why he is so charming. He's one of our guys. It's always just like, hey, yeah. Punk Tripathi's in this movie. Great. Yeah. And, and so, he's also I in love- every movie too, so it's helpful. <laughs> I loved, love, love the bit where um I don't remember any of the characters' names, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh where the do. rich woman Mm-hmm. And the mother go into the principal's office, and the rich woman is like, "Yeah, just make this happen." And he's like, "I can't." And she's like, "Just make it happen." And he's like, "I mean, you're you're just putting me into a corner here." And she's like, "I know, make it happen." And I was like, "Damn, rich people can do anything." Yeah, I wonder if she was like a donor or something. Like everyone was kind of just doing what she said and mm-hmm. they called her doctor a few times. So I, yeah, I wonder what her job was in the town, basically kind of a big cheese, yeah. just like the collector too, the tax collector. Yeah. That was a whole interesting little subplot too. Mm-hmm. Before we move on to our second film though, I, I do want to just kind of discuss some of the elements of the film that are not necessarily math related quickly. <laughs> um, and, and that's not because I, you know, don't appreciate the math elements of the film, but just, you know, to give a, fulsome discussion of this film uh i'm curious about what people thought about the portrayal of the mother-daughter relationship and also how the class factors into because i mean class is very much a part of this film because suara baskar wants her daughter to do well so that she her daughter doesn't have to be a maid like she is Mm -hmm. whereas her daughter is defeatist her daughter thinks you know because my mother was a maid, I'm going to be a maid, and it doesn't really matter how hard I work. Mm-hmm. And so she takes she takes her mother for granted because to her, you know, I mean, and she's a teenager, and teenagers don't really necessarily think about the future and think about the consequences. Um, but I, I think this film 
goes to kind of some really like it's an it it's overall like kind of a nice heartwarming film, but yet it was it's willing to go to some really nasty places that mm-hmm. I I think could potentially be off putting for some people, but I think kind of you know it seemed realistic. Yeah, it it you know not again not that I don't always want to praise the realistic aspects of a film, but it did. There's something that did kind of feel honest about it. She's a rude little child. Think about the worst thing you ever like shouted at your parents when you were a teenager. And how uncomfortable that makes you thinking back on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, think I was probably that's... fine, actually. Okay, that's fine. Some of us were, were teenage drama queens. Uh, me, specifically. Um, and looking back on that, like I, I kind of could see a lot of that behavior in this, in this young girl. Because, of course, she's defeatist. Yeah. Do you know how hard she has to work to be able to get into a position where she could possibly make something of her life that isn't what she already has. Mm-hmm. That would be a huge amount of work. Plus, they don't have the money anyway. What's yeah. the point? She might as well not put in the hard work. Mm-hmm. Have some fun. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, I get that. And I think that um, that was a really good portrayal of that. But some of the arguments that the the mother and the daughter have, and I, I know that people who have seen it know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. And when we were watching it, Devin and I, he yelled out, oh my gosh, just get some therapy. But the thing is, where are they going to get it? Yeah, yeah they can't they afford therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Where are they going to, where would they have gotten their coping skills? Clearly this mother has no support system mm-hmm. outside of her boss. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She clearly does not have, you know, great um, parental skills to call on from mm-hmm. how she was raised, I think. I don't She's, think she mentions her own parents once, and yeah. the father's not in the picture at all, so. Yeah, yeah like, she she's a young mother. Yeah. yeah. She is a young mother, and her daughter is a difficult child, because... Mm-hmm. Kids can be difficult, and that's not to say this child is bad or good. It's just to say she's difficult. So yeah, they're gonna butt heads. They clearly, as they as they do, and it's really uncomfortable to watch when when things get really heated, um, because you know you are watching two people who cannot communicate, um, who do love each other, mm-hmm. but really could have their relationship completely collapse. Unless they can figure out how to communicate and relate to each other. And it's really uncomfortable and disturbing to watch that, I think. It's a lot more realistic than the one in Chapitella, Davey, I'll say. Yeah, but before we get to it, I do want to say that I think the film does a good job of kind of, of presenting all of these things and presenting how both class and gender are yes. are such huge barriers for these for these two women and just kind of the the effect that those things have on their relationship and what they see for their lives uh and it just like yeah i i think i think it's like it's a really delicate balancing act that tawari has to has to do here um and you know i think there's a reason why she's you know kind of becoming one of the most kind of acclaimed directors of kind of hindi cinema or emerging as one 
Yeah, yeah. she's had hits, right? Yeah, I mean, all, I think all three of her Hindi language films. I, I don't entirely remember what the reaction to Pongo was. and The reaction because, to Pongo was taken up as part of the actress's yeah. sort of continued news coverage. Yeah, and because the pandemic derailed a lot of the film conversation in 2020, yeah. it's... But, you know, but between this and Barely Key Barfee, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see what she does next. And I'm glad we finally caught up with her first film. Yeah, we've seen all, right. all of them now. Apart that, from the Malayalam and Tamil ones. The Tamil, yeah. yeah. She directed the Tamil one, not the Malayalam one. Yeah. All right. That brings us to Shakuntala Devi. It's directed by Anu Menon. It was released in 2020 and it went straight to Amazon Prime because the aforementioned pandemic. They had like six <laughs> or seven big movies that they... Yeah. Or like debuting there, and this was one of them. So this is based on the life of the famous mathematician Shakuntala Devi, who was regarded as being a human computer. I knew nothing about this woman going into this film. Did anyone else know anything about her? No, but the, the name human computer is funny because like computer was a job title before computers were built. Right, so that comes up in... It's in Hidden Figures, right? Yeah, Aren't that they, comes up in Hidden Figures. Isn't that what their job is? They're, they're technically computers? The female math movie that I that could not come to my mind when I was saying I could only think of male math movies. So in saying that she's a the, human computer, yeah. though, like, she's just a human human. <laughs> it's not like... It, she, she goes up against a computer later, but, yeah. like, computer was a job for a long time. Yeah, but the way the way that we use computer computer is, nowadays nowadays yes. yeah, and she gets the name after fighting a computer on yeah. TV. Amanda, had you heard of her before? I had actually heard of her before. Oh. Oh. Um, I had heard of her uh, because I think I can't remember which course I was taking. It might have been number theory, um, or it might have been discrete mathematics. But it was one of those like kind of fun, mm. proofy courses. That sounds I know it sounds sure. Nice, but like um. <laughs> Think about like code breaking or right. like you know those those games you play where you put your pen down and you have to draw a house without lifting your pen. Oh. Like, so like a real, how does that work? It's like number like weighing, basically. Thing. I don't think and it's like number weighing. <laughs> <laughs> one of those courses, there was something that came up with with this woman because she had written a bunch of books mm-hmm. on oh, we're how gonna get to, to that. <laughs> help your kids understand and get into math. And one of the things that she was talking about came up in, I think it was my discrete math class. Um, Like a secret math class? Yes, totally secret. No, discrete math is like um, numbers, like whole numbers. Oh, I like those. Yeah, those are my favorite ones. Not like (laughs) 1.1 or anything like that. It's 1, 2, 3, and so on. All Um, the classics. Those are the best ones. Yeah. Discrete math is a lot of fun. Um, But yeah, it's one of her things that she had talked about in one of her books came up in one of my classes as as a proof we had to prove. I can't remember. But it did mention that she is this um, person who was in the Guinness Book of World Records for um, all of her, like, weird multiplication skills and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So when you... When you said the the name of this movie, like, oh, I want you to watch this movie. And I was like, I know that name from somewhere. Where do I know that? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, I wish I could remember what we had to prove or what the proof was. I remember the proof was proof by induction. I remember that, but Hmm. I don't remember what I was proving. Very cool. Good times. Very cool. Yeah. So she was a real woman Uh, in the film. She's played by the wonderful Vidya Balan. One of our favorite actresses. <laughs> I feel like everyone is she our favorite. She is so good. She oh is, my gosh. She rules. She is fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
there's a there's some other video about love films we should show you at some point. I think there's a couple others you would like. Uh, her daughter here is played by Sanya Malhotra. Her husband, which we will get into, is played by uh, Jishu Sengupta. Oh, uh, he was so good too. He was yeah. good. I looked up a picture of, of this actual couple in real life. And like, he does kind of look like the person he is playing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I wouldn't say like any of the actors here are like 100% dead ringers, but there's yeah. like, they're clearly tried. He's, he's, a, he's not a big deal. Like he's not a huge star or anything. He's a Bengali actor. Okay. Yeah. He's been in some Hindi films, uh, but he comes from the Bengali industry. But they might've picked him for the lightness is what I'm saying. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I thought he was great. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really like this cast. Uh, and rounding out the cast is Amit Saad and Prakash Bellawadi. Uh, the film has had decent reviews, especially for Balan's performance. Uh, and again, because of the pandemic and it being released on Amazon Prime, we don't really have a sense of numbers or like how it did at the box office. Ironically it, enough, we don't know the numbers on <laughs> yeah, this film. Or how it would have done at the box office. And uh, a war, I don't know when the film fairs for 2020 are going to be announced. I checked the website the other day and they were like, nominations coming soon. So I don't, I'll be interested to see if Balan gets a nomination for Best Actress for this. I think it's likely. You you do the big biopic for that reason. And they love right? her. Yeah, they uh, that that that's why these sort of movies exist. Yeah, they love her. Uh, so the film is a biopic of Shakuntala Devi, and it, it's very much focused on the relationship that she had with her daughter. And I did look up her daughter online, and her Instagram popped up, and there were pictures with uh, her real-life daughter with Vidya Balan. So her her daughter has endorsed this film uh, to, to some extent, but I, I thought that was nice, that clearly... Not only is it about her life and story, but they clearly involved her in developing I this I was film. actually, I read a little bit about um, the real life daughter, mm. uh, Anu, Anu, yeah. I think is what they were calling her, um, and what she thought of the movie. And they had involved her from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, uh, they had the actors that played Anu and her husband meet real life Anu and her husband and they all kind of sat down and chatted about the movie and chatted about um, her mother and things like that. And she was really impressed with how, from the thing I read, yeah. she was really impressed with how they really did a good job portraying her mother as this whirlwind of a person who was just sort of the always living life on the edge and the life of the party in both the good and the bad. Because, mm. you know, living your life to the fullest isn't always awesome to the people around you she seems like a real like handful yeah well and this i think this film does a good job of of, of showing that the human beings and human lives are complicated as our human relationships so the film opens in kind of like the quote-unquote like present day <laughs> it's in the 1980s um and Sanya Malhotra, who's playing Anu, playing the daughter, is suing her mother, the famous Shakuntala Devi, uh, because her mother is essentially, like, as the film goes on to explain, her mother's, like, cut her out of a business deal, and she is ready to cut her mother out of her life. And then we flash back to Shakuntala Devi's childhood, and we, you know, follow her journey from being kind of a very young math genius whose family is just, like, absolutely shocked at her ability to manipulate numbers and so they start 
putting her on stages to earn money. And so she goes up on stage and so she weird. and she wears her her pigtails. Yeah. Um and and when we we don't get the child actress a lot, it flashes to Vidya Balan and Pretty like quickly. playing younger than she actually is with yeah. her pigtails dressed up in a sari, like on stage, uh with a crowd of men who don't believe that a woman can do math and her charming the pants off of them and you know kind of dazzling them with her amazing ability to calculate all these numbers in her head i gotta say that guy she, had a amazing math question just locked and loaded somehow <laughs> right like oh, yeah my new job i get paid one paisa per day should i take it i get a month of and wages. it doubles every day it doubles every day it doubles every day of course you take it yeah, yeah. exponential growth day. is always good do that but like also, what kind of job is this he apparently just had this uh, this question in the chamber, though, like, yeah. it's just weird that you would hire someone to do math for fun, right? Like, her, <laughs> like as a performance, it's pretty impressive, though. I get it. Uh, so, I'm gonna send you a math magician uh, YouTube videos after this, just so you know. Okay, okay. cool. So after this, she travels to London, um, partly because she has a rather contentious relationship with her family. And her, also because she shot a guy. Yeah. Her <laughs> that bit where she's in her boarding house. Yeah. It's good. It's I had to stop it like three times because I was laughing so hard I was in tears. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm running away from my... My my past life and these poor guys in this boarding house are like, oh, but a beautiful young lady, you know, blah 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 blah. What would, what would you could you be running from? She's like, I shot a guy. Yeah. But going back to the contentious relationship that she has with her family, when she was young, uh, her sister passed away, and she has never forgiven her mother for it. She also has a difficult relationship with her father. Well, they say basically um, like she was going to die anyway. That's why we didn't take care of her. Which is pretty yeah. brutal, but it's, yeah. you know, it's the 30s in Bangalore. It might have been pretty, it might have been a equation that made sense at the time. Yeah. So Shakuntala Devi goes to London, and at first no one is interested in her math shows. No one really gets it. Uh, but she manages to dazzle, like, what is it? Some The math, math academy? The math academy. The royal math, the ma the math guys? The Spanish guy. Yeah. Yes. Jay Silent. Javier. Uh, and so... He, yeah, so after she dazzles the Math Academy, she meets a Spanish guy by the name of Javier, who she calls... A hot Spanish guy. <laughs> Jay Silent. And he kind of helps uh, promote her and set her up. And pretty soon, she is this world-renowned math genius who is getting paid to, you know, show off her skills on stage and visit universities and visit places so they can understand how her brain works. Um, and clearly, you know, her, her fame is not just based on her math skill. I mean, that is the basis of it. But she is so charming mm -hmm. and such a natural performer that people can't really help but be amazed by it, you know? Yeah. I think that's part of... Like, if she was just kind of, oh, yeah, it's this times this times this is this number, that would be very boring. But she mm -hmm. is just... Like you said, charming the pants off of everyone she meets. Oh, yeah. She makes it fun. And she, like... She's a very headstrong woman. She is a personality. And so the film, you know, charts the rest of her career uh, and her, her marriage and her relationship with her daughter. So after she gets married, she thinks, you know, she's ready to Not settle to down. Not to to another guy. Yeah. Like an Indian guy. Yeah. 
She thinks she's ready to settle down with her husband in Calcutta and become a mother, but she has itchy feet and soon she's off, you know. The call of math. Traveling. <laughs> the math is talking to Traveling <laughs> the world. But she dislikes having to be separated from her daughter, so eventually the marriage dissolves and she takes her daughter with her and really kind of stops her daughter from having a relationship with her father, which, you know, builds those seeds of resentment. She tries to push her into the family business of being a math genius too and it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, again, it's a biopic so it kind of charts this woman's life both her career as a math genius uh, and some of her writing uh, as well as her strange relationship with her daughter and we do kind of flash back and forth from, from time to time to kind of see you know her, her daughter try to reject, you know, her relationship with her mother and what she stands for she feels that her mother doesn't value her she only values math she carry around she carries around this black book of her accomplishments um and it's all about her and her career she's not interested in you know anyone else but her apart from their house flipping business <laughs> <laughs> all right so where to go start i think this is a really fun movie we've seen it twice now and i actually think i really enjoyed it better the second time because video ballon is just like Oh, she's she's so fun. She's so fun to watch. She's so much personality. And I was like, oh man, she's so much fun. If this gets serious, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to take take her seriously. And I did take her seriously when it got serious. She was very good at that. Uh, the one thing I couldn't handle was uh, uh, her daughter's terrible wig when she oh, was a teenager. Awful. And I was like, all I her clothes were horrible. Yeah, this does have the Bollywood bad wig problem. Uh, it was so bad. Yeah, and also, like, Vidya Balwan is being asked to play this woman from a variety... Like 16 all the way to <laughs> yeah. 80? Yeah, a variety of ages, and she's not that convincing as, like, yeah, like a teenager or 20-year-old, and the old age makeup later on is not that great either. Yeah. No, but it was, you know, it, it wasn't enough to, like, make you, oh, I gotta turn this off or anything, because everyone in this movie is so likable to watch mm -hmm. so fun to watch um so i thought that was yeah i just i couldn't handle the, the wigs <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah bad bollywood wigs is it's a common complaint it's a thing yeah we get that a lot and, and samuel mahotra the actress playing her daughter has fantastic hair yeah i don't know <laughs> why they did that like you could have styled her hair to make her look like a teenager you didn't need to have the terrible wig Ugh, i did bad. find this kind of falls into a biopic problem of the surviving member of the family who's not as interesting has a lot more screen time than she should like i don't care about her house flipping business show me more math <laughs> i want people say math okay. don't care about Sadia malhotra <laughs> Okay, so this is this is kind of the one of the big questions is Amanda, how did you feel about the way that math was presented in this film? Literal magic. We um we kind of touched on this earlier in, in our discussion, um, about how it is it is portrayed as literal magic. Yes. You know, it's popping off the screen and and floating around and stuff, but they're really is no rhyme or reason why this woman could do this this type of mental math so quickly. She must have like some kind of eidetic memory. That's the only thing I can think of. Mm -hmm. Is that she sees a thing, she can memorize what it looks like, and then she can memorize all the patterns later. And it has to be pattern memorization. There's nothing else I can imagine it being. She says um, something like every if you multiply a number ending in seven, it ends up as this like 
So Which was a wonderful bit. Thank you for yeah. bringing that up. I'd forgotten about That's that. That's her house That's, number. Yeah. And the other part she did something very similar when she No, that was that was when wrong. the computer was wrong. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. She um she knew it was wrong because the last that what she was trying to do was some number times itself times itself mm-hmm. to the power of three, right? Yeah. And she knows the very last digit of the number is seven. Seven times seven times seven. I mean, that's that is a number. That's all that that number is. So you can't have a different number than what that is. And that's how she knew the computer was wrong because the last digit. But I thought that was a really interesting. And I really liked how when in other bits, when you showed her explaining things to children mm-hmm. or when her daughter was explaining how she knew to multiply those big numbers together. And a lot of it was taking the numbers and, like you said before, simplifying them. So you could take something like 1,049 times 460. Well, that's just 1,000 plus 40 plus 9 mm-hmm. times 400 plus 60 plus 4. And then if you remember how to do, you know, yeah, flying in things, if you can hold all that in your head, it is not necessarily difficult to add numbers like that when they're broken down. And um, that's the thing that's amazing to me is that she was able to hold all that in her head. Because, like, I understand, like, the theory behind it. And I do like the moments where, like, because sometimes you're just dazzled by her genius. But there are some moments in the film where they do kind of try and explain how she was able to break down numbers. And I do like that, like, clearly this woman had a passion for numbers and for math and wanted people to be as excited about them. And so it's like, you know, I like, I like the scenes where she's engaged with children. Doesn't she go to an American university and they scan her brain just to see Yeah, and then they're like, we don't know. And she's like, (laughs) I'm just a genius. And I also Um, read an interview with the doctor that scanned her brain. (laughs) Oh, wow. uh, and basically, you did like, so much research, so much more research than we did. Oh, I was just googling stuff uh, yeah. at lunch, not yesterday at work, the day before at work. Uh, it was lunch. Don't, don't get mad at me, work. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to this work. <laughs> they all do. Everyone's work listens to our show. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I do like how they kind of, because again, like I don't know if if it would be as entertaining if they got too much into the weeds with that, but I think they give you just enough. To, to show you that, like, that the connections that she's making in her head. And again, like, you know, we yes. talked a bit about this idea of, like, the new math, the new math curriculum in Alberta. And so when they were showing that, I was like, I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to, they're trying to get people to understand numbers instead of just memorizing, which is what we did. Yeah. Absolutely. You're 100% right. And she just happens to do it, like, it's fast, so fast, so fast, mm-hmm. I can't even believe. But it's just that, that like I said, number sense. She has extremely strong number sense mm-hmm. and this amazing memory. And she can put those patterns together. And there's always patterns. Like you can tell something is divisible by three. If when you, I think it's when you add the two numbers together, it adds up to something divisible by three, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Well, it sounds like she's in addition to being able to make calculations very quickly. She's also memorized like thousands and thousands of different edge cases and could just, Say like, okay, yeah. yeah, this this obviously has to be this because of such and such rule of the world. It's just yeah. that's that's what happened. When she's explaining the rotating number at the very end of the film, she's on stage explaining this number that just kind of I just thought that was amazing. I would have loved that to have seen that in real life. Gorgeous. That was an amazing bit. And I've seen Math Magicians, um, 
on stage doing like math tricks because it is a thing that still happens to this day um and a lot of it you know is, is they memorize up to x number of squared numbers or you know a lot of the, that superpower is an amazing memory mm -hmm. uh to remember because if you have that's why you know if you have your times tables memorized unlike me uh you can make you can do mental math quicker um, I'm not. I'm not I, doing it though. It's just that there's a program in my head that remembers how to do it. It's not like I understand what's. But happening. if you had them memorized and you knew how to do, it. yeah, then I would. Then I would be in business. I wouldn't be podcasting <laughs> or anything. I'd be an accountant. You'd, I was going to say you'd be a math magician, but accountant is cool too, I suppose. They probably make more money. Well, you you were you were saying to me, Matt, when we were watching the film, like, would you actually go to one of these shows? Would you pay to go to one of these shows? I and would. I totally would. I think she's incredible. Maybe it. <laughs> Like she's got the patter. That's that's why she's so fun because she's a consummate performer and can like joke around with people. Yeah. Like that's more why you want to go see it. I think you the idea of watching math occur on stage is very boring. No, I am but seeing super her, gonna send you math magician things. Okay. We I had an instructor at school. Um, his name was Nico. I don't know what his actual name was because at my school we just called all of our instructors by their first name because. McEwen. Mm. Um, and sometimes when we were all hanging out in the, the math department meeting room, he would just come by and do like math card tricks for us. And it was great. <laughs> wow. <It's> so fun. <laughs> you don't get that in the English department. <laughs> I mean, no. I don't know what happens in the English department. I took English 101 and then ran away from English forever. <laughs> we just drank and cried. That's it. Yeah. Oh, wow, that is very similar to math, actually. <laughs> yeah. I think mean, that's just similar to post-secondary. I, I, I think <laughs> the the math, uh, the group projects is what bothers me the most about your story. Like, I don't want to hang out with people and work together. I, I will say, actually, I think one of the reasons why I was able to pass calculus was because I didn't necessarily know a lot of people in the class that I was in, but I knew a lot of people taking the same course, and we would, like, get together to do our homework together. And I See, think, I had no I allies. Do think that really I was helped. a lone wolf. Well, uh, a lot of my, and that's one of the strange things about going to a small school, is a lot of my math and statistics courses involved group projects. Mm. Terrifying. I know. Yeah. But math and stats projects, uh, group projects are so much better than like other group projects. Because I, mean, I guess you're just doing math together, so it's not like yeah, someone basically. else is going to be like slacking. Like, did you do all your equations? Go do your equations. Go do it. I only had one bad experience, uh, so out of all the, the different projects I did. That's um, pretty decent. The yeah. one... Oh, one of my projects I got to go to Niagara Falls to present, so that was cool. Oh, wow. I got to see Niagara Falls. Oh, Thanks, school. That's amazing. Yeah, I didn't do that with an English degree either. Yeah, no one wants to send us around <laughs> Yeah. For, no, for watching movies and reading. Yeah, okay. you, could, you could read a book anywhere. <laughs> but getting back to the film, Matt, you say Sorry. that kind of like the biopic has the issue in that it's kind of like through the lens of the most boring person, but I actually think... I think grounding it in that mother-daughter relationship is really smart because it is something that is kind of universal. Like people have difficult, like many people have difficult relationships with their parents, even the most kind of loving relationships, <laughs> you know, there is sometimes tension and difficulty there. And so I think like it takes this kind of larger than life figure and finds a way to really kind of ground her and make her human. I just found that whenever she was was not on screen, I was just like, where's Shaka Tala Debbie? Is she doing math somewhere else? Let me see that. She is not as spark Like, she doesn't sparkle in the same way. That's true. <laughs> she, she was probably doing math somewhere else, though. That's also true. 
I wasn't, I mean, clearly because she is just not as interesting of a character. I wasn't as interested in that character. But I really enjoyed the the arc of her rejecting the lifestyle her mother has. Mm-hmm. Um, rejecting motherhood at all when she was interacting with her in-laws. Mm-hmm. And then later having to face the fact that she does not know what motherhood is. And mm-hmm. I think that is something that, I mean, I can't speak personally to, um, but a lot of mothers I know, I, I can't imagine it. I feel like it has to be all mothers go through a phase of, I don't know what I am doing. Yeah. And, you know, that, that panic of, am I doing this wrong? And I think an interesting aspect is we can really see that clearly in Anu's story mm-hmm. we don't see that really in her mother's story well she doesn't care what the her daughter thinks about like, anything oh, she's never wrong yeah mm-hmm. the well, only time she's like oh no I gotta do something different for this kid is when she goes and takes her daughter away from um where are they living Calcutta yeah I believe they're in Calcutta yeah uh, to to go and travel the world with her, mm-hmm. and I thought that's a really, I thought it was a really interesting juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was nice that Shakuntala Devi isn't like a robot, though. Like, oh yeah. yeah, I think she's a very earthy person who has you know romances and lovers, and she has a, a, a relationship with her daughter, and she's like, well, fuck, I'm I'm a genius, leave me alone. Yeah, she's I very think. egotistical, and you would be if you were a, a human computer. Yeah, I I do like that the film kind of doesn't try to like lionize her. It's it's kind of like here is a fascinating woman who you know, you who could be rough and abrasive sometimes. It could be like headstrong, stubborn to a fault, and it it kind of it tries to in an entertaining way show a larger picture of kind of this complicated woman i i don't think it tries to shy away from that she also wrote a book about her uh husband okay we are going to get to that we are going to get to that but i i did just want to kind of um comment on what amanda was saying and that i think a lot of times motherhood in media is presented as like the most important job a woman can have and it's the most wonderful thing no it's math that's the most important job a woman can have and it's such a it's the most rewarding thing and it's such a joy and i mean i am never planning on having children so i don't know if any of that is true but i do like that both of these films want to talk about how complicated it can be and how difficult it can be (laughs) and you know they both celebrate motherhood but i don't think either one of them is trying to really present like a perfect picture of motherhood Mm -hmm. because what is normally celebrated is like this perfect ideal of motherhood Mm -hmm. and that is not a thing that happens ever and you take a character a person a real life person who is traveling the world and meeting all of these people and you throw a young daughter in the mix Mm -hmm. i mean this little kid i mean she's a little kid i will say everyone who is like under 25 is a little (laughs) kid to me uh this little kid you know she she can't really make any solid friends there's no internet can't like make friends on the internet she has no stability Um, she has no stability and she has no support network outside of her mother. Yeah. And her mother is so wild at heart. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. And I think that the movie made a really 
they try to make it not seem so bad mm-hmm. that she was wild at her for her relationship with her daughter. But it is end up bad because, you know, what a wild mother at heart <laughs> and a child who just wants like a normal life. There's clearly going to be problems. Yeah. Um, but it didn't it didn't make them seem evil. No, no, because she's not. Because neither were good mothers from the ideal. Mm-hmm. It didn't make them seem evil. And yeah. I, I really appreciated that because it could have been real easy to go that way. Yeah, I can't help but think of Mommy Dearest, you know, another a, a famous memoir from a famous uh, actress's uh, child. And, you know, like, Chakantella Devi is a famous public figure. And I think kind of we have these these narratives of kind of how much the kids of famous people, you know, have suffered. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I don't want to take away from any any of those stories. But I think, again, like, so it, it does kind of seem like there is a lot of truth to a lot of the difficulty <laughs> that's in this mm-hmm. relationship and, and the stuff that Anu goes through. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think like, yeah, I, I see why you're saying that she's not as interesting of a character, but I do think like she brings a lot to the film. It just felt like she got like final say on some stuff. The, like the, the real life person. The real life person Which, was able to vet some things. I don't have a problem with. There's a famous film that we're going to be discussing in an upcoming episode that is also a biopic of a famous Indian woman. Where she did not get Where she say. did not get, and she yeah. was alive when they made it, and she did not get any say in what they did. And Oof. I think that's a huge problem. And much of the stuff that happens to her is pretty horrible, so. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to do that episode, because it's going to be a complicated one. But, so... I don't know like sometimes I, I do know that sometimes people think that like it's difficult to make biopics when the subjects are still alive um, because they maybe end up having more influence you know like the like Rocket Man, the new Elton John biopic or newish or, yeah. or Human um, Rhapsody where every character had to have yeah. like, the same amount of screen time and they're not the, Freddie Mercury who cares put Freddie members. Mercury back on screen so like I do think there are problems like that but I also think there are serious problems when you take people's lives and you don't let them have any sort of input <laughs> into yeah. how it's presented so I don't know it's a it's a it's a it's some I find it very complicated and it's something I struggle with especially when you're going to take like women's women's lives who have been very com- complicated women's lives which is what okay. Vinia Bellon does really well too she does yeah uh, I, I I just kept thinking of the the dirty picture the whole time though yes which is a film that I think I think we should you probably, probably show like, you actually, in Devon yeah. at some point. So going back to the thing, Matt, that you keep <laughs> alluding to, there is, and this is an actual thing that happened. There's a moment in the film when Shakuntala Devi is shown to have written a book on homosexuality, and I do wonder if the film kind of does a disservice to this aspect of Shakuntala Devi's legacy because the way it's framed in the film it's a is huge that betrayal. It's, it's, it's framed as a betrayal. Anu is upset because her mother says that she wrote the book because she was married to a homosexual man. Now, I guess she ha- did say that in an interview. I don't know enough about Shakuntala Devi's ex-husband to know if it is true or not. Anu clearly believes it's not true. And it comes out of nowhere and is never referenced again. Yes, but from what I understand, this book was the first Indian study on homosexuality and it's actually quite pioneering and it did not have a huge impact at the time and that Shakuntala Devi really believed in trying to normalize 
homosexuality and, and, and said, you know, I, I don't just want kind of tolerance or sympathy, but I, you know, but like full on acceptance. But none of this comes across in the movie. though. It doesn't really come across mm-hmm. in the film. So it's weird to me that they put it in there, but they don't maybe really. And again, I haven't read too much into it. I was just kind of looking on Wikipedia, like, what is this book on homosexuality? And I was surprised to discover, like, it was the first study of homosexuality in India. And, and it seems like this is something that potentially she was very passionate about. But in the film, it's framed, like, as this betrayal. <laughs> I uh, actually did look up the book. This is <laughs> not surprising. Like um, you can tell which movie I watched uh, a couple of days ago, which movie I had to watch finishing like maybe 20 minutes before this podcast started. <laughs> Apparently there was a documentary that she was part of that mm-hmm. um, either, I don't know if it was postmortem or not, but um, that she, that's where she said that her husband yeah. was gay. Um and that's what kind of gave her an interest in looking at uh, homosexuality to understand it. And apparently the book is features um, interviews with two, a, a couple in Canada, yeah. a young Indian couple in Canada who are seeking legal marriage in like 1975 or something like that. Um, and then talking about to, you know, priests of temples and looking at different literature and stuff. Um, and it was, really interesting at the time because it was a book on especially a book in India you know mm-hmm. about saying we need to have 100% acceptance of of this community and this idea because it's not there's nothing wrong with it um one thing that really made me kind of you know do a double blink when i was watching the movie is when um she said during the interview where she she mentions, oh yeah, my the reason I wrote this book is because my ex husband was gay, and then Anu has a like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And she leaves, and then they have a thing. Um, is what uh, Shankuntala says is my ex husband was gay, and I mean that's okay, that's his choice. Yeah, and then everybody stood up. And applauded her, saying, oh, you're so brave, you're so amazing. And that really rubs me a weird way as a person who was in a relationship for a very long time with somebody who later came out. Um, yeah, it just it rubs me real weird, like, oh, that's a weird thing to say, lady. And I get, you know, it's, it's 1977 and things are different. Um, and all the people, all the people standing up and applauding, like, oh, it was just... But I think the big question I have is why is it being framed in this way in a film in 2020? Because, like, and it never it never comes up again. It just it's just a five minute little sequence. Like, oh, that was weird. This is not a documentary. It is a fictionalized account of this woman's life, and so they're making a choice in 2020 to present it in this way and to have all these people stand up and clap and to have her say. It's his choice. I mean, maybe she said that in the interview. I don't know. But that might also be the subtitles, though. We're not, we're not entirely sure. Yes. Yeah, but there's not, like, again, like, it's very clear that this is, like, a fictionalized account because it yeah. can't possibly be verbatim, you know, like, what she said. And so I, I just... It may be made more sense in 75. Yeah, again, yes. like, because she wrote a lot of other books, but they yeah. they put this one moment in here, and maybe it's because 
you know, it was clearly something she was passionate about. And she, you know, wanted India to decriminalize homosexuality. Which and so, they did like 40 years later. <laughs> yeah. They only did recently. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, so, like, maybe they put it in there because they wanted to address that this was an issue that she cared about. But I just think they did it in a really awkward way. She just doesn't and come off very good in it. She doesn't come off very well in it. And then they put the focus on, like, on Anu feeling betrayed it like it's a weird little segue that doesn't go anywhere little segue and if the book is as important as it is in in real life they probably could have done a better job of like mentioning what she was actually doing or just not bring it up because it's not really important to the story yeah i just i think it feels very dated and i think the way it's framed is somewhat problematic but i do think it's interesting that this that this woman had such progressive views for her time, like views that you know, Absolutely. clearly I align with mm-hmm. in some respects uh, because I don't know everything she thought about it. <laughs> but you said you had something to say. Yeah, we were talking about how um, fascinating it is that this woman at that time was writing a book like that. But you think too that she is a person who has been on the outskirts of society because of her natural talent Mm. and her ability to perform and her love of life and her love of traveling. She's not the ideal woman in many cultures at that Mm. time. Mm -hmm. She's like a theater person kind of. Yeah. She's She's, she's already on the side of, or outside of, of societal standards. Yeah. And I find that, you know, once one person is outside of societal standards, they're very much more welcoming of other mm-hmm. things that are outside of societal standards. That's why you see a lot of, you know, um, anti-fat phobia in queer groups or, um, you know, anti-trans phobia in furry groups or whatever. <laughs> like people who are already on the outsides of, of whatever standard is considered. Mm-hmm. Um, tend to to flock a little bit towards being more accepting of other things, and because she is so well traveled at the time, how many women women from India were so well traveled and mixed with so many different people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah, so that's really interesting because she certainly uses her uh, like traditional dress. And, you know, you know, she says, you're, you're not going to take my saris away from you. So she presents herself in some respects uh, in a traditional idea of an Indian woman on stage when she's presenting herself around the world. Yeah, she's really good at but, branding herself. But, but she, yeah. you know, she and she doesn't, like, she's very clear that she doesn't want to live a life in India. She wants to be in London because she is so worldly. And so she's really kind of, she's using, <laughs> she's using a certain perception and, and, and traditions um, in India and, and, and perceptions around um, Indian women to her advantage, but she Absolutely. clearly, you know, is not a traditional Indian Yeah, she's woman. not wearing saris at home, that kind of thing, for parties. Yeah. She's got very, like... The fashion, oh the, yeah. Her clothes are very cool. We should quickly touch on this. The fashion is fantastic in this movie. Oh, yeah. Styling, what, what, it, what it lacks in good wig styling, it makes up for in good clothing styling. <laughs> I will never get Apart over, from her like, daughter. in all the, the lawsuit bits, Anu's, like, blue pants with the big, you know, 
triangle hip things and i'm like yeah okay i know exactly mm-hmm. when this is i know yeah. what's going on kind of like and yog purse, right? the the acid wash uh denim jacket that anu wears as well i was also like i want that <laughs> please give it to me all right so i think i think we all like we all really like, like this movie these. like i like I, I would say like i do think that like overall the filmmaking here is just kind of standard biopic stuff but i think the video bell end brings so much life to it that it elevates it there's a great color scheme i think the yeah, it's really bright design's cool like yeah. it's all in various pastels mm-hmm. matching the 60s and 70s it, it, it's great to look at the songs are good too we didn't really talk about the songs in the other one yeah but songs is good in this very these, enjoyable all around these two films are kind of a good juxtaposition against one another in terms of kind of aesthetic because Neil Bhatti Sonata is kind of going for more of that kind of indie indie look that kind of, you know, tends to take itself potentially a bit more seriously. And this goes for like the full on kind of pop, <laughs> uh, colorful palette and, and really kind of injects that kind of energy into it. They're very yeah. they're very different modes, but I think they're I think they're both very effective. And I think they both suit the stories that they're telling. Mm-hmm. Because like I think what's ultimately really effective about Trapantella Devi is the way that the aesthetics of the film reflect the woman. Yeah, yeah. she's a very over-the-top person. Yeah, and so yeah. she gets this bright, colorful palette, and she gets, you know, like, it's just like there's energy. And Suara Baskar yeah. making out a meager existence is all washed out and, uh, you know, yeah, just, it, it matches nicely. Yeah. Oh, one other thing. Uh, yes. In real life, Shakuntala Devi, her father uh, and mother, her father was a circus performer and she traveled traveled around with her father and mother and their circus. Oh! That's where she learned a lot of her... Uh, be, that would make sense. They should have put that in there. Yeah, instead of- okay. That makes sense then as how they were able to figure out like how to turn her into like a, and how, like a performance. Yeah. And when she goes to London, she was like, you're so impressed by the, like, by the great Indian rope trick. Why aren't you impressed by my math? That brings us to the end of this episode. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited that you were willing to do this. Uh, and I, I hope everyone has thank enjoyed you. listening to your perspectives as much as I have. Uh, I hope so. I, I have uh, a lot of opinions on stuff. They tend to be very strong. Uh, and I usually tend to vocalize them very quickly, but this was this was a lot of fun. I love hanging out with the both of you, and I'm really grateful for this opportunity to to hang out and support you in your podcast. Thank you. Well, we can't wait to have you guys over again in yeah. person. We'll all to hang out movie. someday. Uh, do you, in real life. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share where people can follow you on social media? Oh yeah, okay. I mean. Mostly I'm kicking around on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter uh, is at no Amanda stop, but stop is spelled S T A H P because I'm very online. Um, mostly I tweet about local politics and video games and tabletop RPGs, but sometimes I tweet about statistics not usually about math. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, Matt, we will be back in a couple weeks. And I have no clue what our next episode is about. Because we were supposed to be doing an episode where we review Priyanka Chopra's book. And we... Don't know where it is. Yeah. we. It's lost in translation. Our review copy has not arrived. And it's been a couple weeks. So... It's been a month now. 
I I don't know if we will have a review copy to review for the show. <laughs> also, we would still have to read it. Uh, that takes time. It's apparently not very long. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm certain each of us could get through it in a day. Okay. Uh, which is not me disparaging the book in any way. We haven't read it. It's just... It, it has not arrived, so I don't know if we will have that episode. We'll do in something else. Two weeks. We might be doing something else. Uh, in the meantime, Matt, how can people give up the show? At Bollywood Pod on Twitter. I'm at Matt underscore B O W E S. I'm at Erin E. Fraser, E R N E F R A S E R. Facebook.com slash Bollywood is for lovers. Bollywood is for lovers. Facebook.com slash Bollywood is for lovers. Please leave us a uh, rating on your podcatcher of choice uh, apple podcast is the easiest one for us to see the ratings we'll also read them out on air too so you can mm-hmm. be famous but well, if you leave it on a different uh, service maybe just send us a dm on twitter so we know because we don't always see those and while you're leaving that review on your podcatching app uh you can also check out my other show that i do with paul matwichuk called trash right in the movies we just recorded an episode <laughs> about soccer movies something paul and i know nothing about well we know about movies but we don't know anything about football soccer (laughs) uh but we discussed the damned united and shaolin soccer uh and we had a lot of fun with that so you can go listen to that uh we also want to thank becca donkey for our artwork yeah and yeah we'll figure out something i guess in the next two weeks something will happen something short hopefully something has to happen so yeah we gotta make an episode (laughs) so we'll do something we'll watch three more bachan films it's another nine hours. Yeah, yeah. Of movie. Wrap it up. We'll catch you on the flip side, math friends. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>